What's the story behind the story? We'll find out on Dropping In. Our guests are today's original thinkers, conversations that spark new ways of seeing what's going on. We bring it all to the table. Diverse perspectives, controversy, loving, and singular voices. Magically, stories reveal the common threads that link us. Experience the joys, the fist pumps, the detours, and the hard-won truths of those who blaze the trail so that we might do the same. And now, here's your host, Diane Dewey. Welcome to Dropping In, everyone. Every so often during the pandemic, we've been tempted to say, to hell with it. So it's only natural to be drawn now to a book called To Hell With It of Sin and Sex, Chicken Wings and Dante's Entirely Ridiculous Inferno, and its author, Dinty W. Moore, who's with us today. While we're pruning Marie Kondo style and throwing out what we no longer need, why not throw out some of the outworn ideas, especially those espoused by organized religion? To Hell With It, published by the University of Nebraska Press, is a book about questioning, but it's really a book about the marks left on people as the questions are left unanswered, about being born a sinner, requiring salvation, eternal damnation, and inherent guilt. Is it any wonder that the self-worth business is so big? To probe the misery and the mystery is Dinty W. Moore, writer, editor, and professor extraordinaire. Welcome, Dinty. Oh, thank you, Diane. Thank you for that lovely introduction. (laughs) Well, it doesn't sound like a funny book, but it is a funny book, and it's a fun book. No one can say you didn't tackle a big subject, so congratulations. It's, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was it's bravery and brevity. Thank you very much. It was uh, foolhardy to think I could write a funny book about hell, and it took me many, many, many years to figure out how to do it. Uh, but it's done and it's out, so I'm, I'm certainly happy about that. It's, um, it's a very liberating book. Um, it's a refreshing book that took me back to a truer self, and I was reminded of the saying from Louise Bourgeois, the sculptor. She said, I've been to Helen back, and let me tell you, it was wonderful. And, <laughs> but, and yes, she, I love this. She has like a little cross stitch of this. Um, the, the point, though, is that hell is not a place. Um, that's what you figured out through this. <laughs> and actually, way before you wrote this book. But hell is not a place. And other myths that we embraced, like the world, the earth is flat, um, ours was the only solar system, these have fallen by the wayside. How have these religious, quote, truths held on for so long? We're just diving in at the deep end here. Um, well, I, I'm not exactly sure why they held on, held on for so long. They're just, they're so powerful. Um, you know, what I'm talking about specifically is, is not, for those of you who are Christian or from a Christian-based religion, I'm not talking about the words of Jesus. I'm talking about the first, second, third century when they sort of started to formalize the idea of a church, um, they came up with this idea of, of 
of hell, which had, was in the Old Testament, but they they you know came up with this idea. They, they formalized the idea of hell, and then along came Saint Augustine with all these ideas about original sin and how all of us are just this close to ending up in hell. And maybe it, I mean they're very frightening notions that that um, the early the early organized religion church leaders uh, put into us and and. And they've been passed on, you know, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I, I don't know, I don't know if it's the frightening part that that keeps us from letting go of them. I don't know if it's it's something in human nature that wants to to feel this concern, but they're just persistent. Um, and there are a lot mm-hmm. of hooey. I mean, you know, I, I, I original sin is is a really complex. Um, if you're Catholic, you certainly know what I'm talking about. Some of the other Protestant, depending on what brand of Protestantism. But, but here's my main point, and I'm going to jump ahead here, is, you know, it's not just if you had the unfortunate um, luck of going to Catholic school and getting, you know, beaten by the nuns uh, before and after religion class that these things affect you. Um, if you're if you're an atheist, if you're from a non-Christian religion, if you're not even sure what you believe, just living in the Western world. Our, our artwork is all based on these religious notions, our judicial system, our sense of, of our prisons, our sense of um, our literature, uh, so much our Western moral codes, they're all sort of draw from these these ideas that we're born sinners, you know, deep down inside we're evil. If we don't watch ourselves, we're going to end up, you know, in hell forever, that there's this mean, angry God out there that's going to catch us in the act um, and I think it's I think it's been bad for us there's a lot of depressed people mm-hmm. out there and a lot of self-loathing and I think these these religious notions are part of what causes it mm-hmm. well we have the idea of punishment um, self-punishment being punished for our wrongs that we are inherently so sinful you know I, I wondered about the idea that a lot of, uh, I looked at, you know, your references, Dante and, and the Inferno, which is certainly an unappealing idea. Um, and, you know, you, you, you traverse um, the poem in your book and you bring out the fact that, like, none of this feels good, but maybe it was written during a time contextually when, like, not much did feel good, right? Like it's a, it's right. a 14th, 15th century, um, the Bible, you know, Hannes Gutenberg, or now back in the 15th, 16th century came out, the, the modernized Talmud. These were medieval times, difficult times. Is it possible that the sense of suffering that was appropriate then just hasn't quite transferred and is maybe obsolete. Well, I think it is, and I don't know. And and I mean, whatever way you you come at it, if you think of it in religious terms, why would God, you know, create this world only to populate it with sinners? And the whole Adam and Eve idea that, like, you know, that by unexpectedly these the first two people he created turned into sinners like if, if there is such a god and now 
picturing that sort of Old Testament fellow with a big white beard. I mean, you think he would have had, had that under control. Um, so that it's ridiculous <laughs> from that point of view. It's ridiculous from that point of view. It's ridiculous the whole idea that, you know, that, that hell is somewhere underneath the earth and you, there's a cave you can go down and, you know, that people believe, believe people believed that for years and years and years. You know, that's ridiculous. Um, it's just, yet, yet, yet it's still, it's still actively taught in, in, in by many religions. But as I said, it's also just sort of, we sort of carry it around on our backs. Like, you know, we're afraid to say, even if we, even if we are identify, even if we identify as atheists or agnostics or, or, or we reject some of these more medieval teachings, you know, we're, we're still afraid to say it out loud because what if we're wrong and what if we do end up in hell, which is, you know, eternity, which is, of course, also absurd. Mm-hmm. What if we're struck down? What if the Internet goes down, out like it did yeah. for me <laughs> when I was just about ready to begin this interview? I mean, you know, you talked about in the book and, you know, you kept it, you know, light and alternating between light and profound that, you know, even in the book you chose to capitalize God just in case. Um, in case, you know, yeah. what, what if we don't really, <laughs> what if what we if don't really know? Yeah. What if we're wrong about all of this? But what if I what if, yeah. what if I die someday and I go to St. Peter's Pearly Gates and he says, you know, I heard that radio show you did with Diane Dewey, and you're not you're not getting into <laughs> that heaven. Dropping man. in thing is really where you yeah. turn to the wrong turn. Um, let me just um, inform people that um, Dinty Moore does have a you have a day job, so that's good. You know that you can fall back on. Now, Dinty W. Moore is the author of the memoirs Between Panic and Desire, and Now to Hell with It, The Writing Guides, The Story Cure, Crafting the Personal Essay, and The Mindful Writer, among many other books. You've published essays in, and stories in Harper's, The New York Times Magazine, Kenyon Review, Creative Nonfiction, and elsewhere. Moore is beloved as the founding editor of Brevity, 20 years in now, Dinty, the journal of Flash Nonfiction, and you teach master classes and workshops all across the United States, as well as Ireland, Scotland, Spain, Switzerland, Canada, and Mexico. Um, how, how do you describe yourself now, now that you've come out with this book, on some pretty serious questions and propositions about what might really be? How do you think of yourself now? Well, let me, let me start by saying to the, the, those people listening, I have no qualms, no argument with the teachings of Jesus. Um, beautiful, beautiful teachings and a beautiful philosophy to live by. I have no no real problem with, you know, religion. I hope people do have spiritual lives and any religion that encourages people to be kind to one another and to be kind to themselves. I'm all in favor of that. My, you know, my argument here is not with religion or religious teachings um, or other, or the other religions that, that aren't Christian, Christian, but also, you know, have, have elements of, of, of kindness and help people to be good to themselves and good to others. I'm all for that. It's the organized religion and specifically what's happened to Christianity, Catholicism and the Vatican, but also some of the other, other organized versions of Christianity that I have an argument with. Um, I don't think of myself 
Uh, I attend Quaker Meeting, which is a very um, wide open community of spiritual seeking. Uh, I read widely in Buddhism. Um, I, I don't reject the idea that there's a God. I, mean, I reject the idea that there's like God the Father sitting on a cloud with a big white beard. I just don't know mm-hmm. what holds the universe together. We can call it God. We can call it all kinds of different things. I do believe that there's mysteries out there we don't comprehend or understand. And and, if, and I just... I think, or I think my I went to Catholic school for twelve years and had a pretty bad experience with the Catholic Church. I think it soured me on anything, any sort of organized spirituality. So my spirituality is very personal. A little bit of, a little bit of Buddhism, which isn't even quite a religion so much as a philosophy, and a, a little bit of Quakerism, which basically tells us to sort of listen, to hear the the, the voice of God, you know suggesting to us how we should act rather than going to rather than going to a, a preacher a, a monsignor mm-hmm. a minister you know just sort of listen for ourselves that's, that's where I'm mm-hmm. spiritual uh, right and as well as part of um, dismantling hierarchies that exist, um, these hierarchies that become distortions of the original concept of God and spirituality, we really, in the unknowing, have much more of a common denominator than selecting what we think we know. Um, and I think that, you know, what, what you've really talked about in the book is the way we're all in this together and should have compassion for one another, and that these, you know, uh, teachings of Christ and the kindness, among others, it becomes more appropriate, um, if anything, that there's just a way in which we are connected in the fact that we don't know where we came from, we don't know why we're here, and we don't know where we're going. And that's not so discomforting as it sounds, it's more that it's creative and we kind of need one another. Is that sort mm-hmm. of a, a, did I, a takeaway that I hit on accurately for you? Oh, very much so. Um, well, both parts of that one, you know, that we, we don't really know. And maybe that's the appeal of, of, these, of some of this religious, uh, or some of these teachings of organizations, they offer you know, a certainty, you know, no, we do know here's, you know, here's, 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 here's the answer. It's right here. We have it. Um, and mm-hmm. certain people are drawn to that and need it. I, I find it, um, I find it quite easy to live, to live with not knowing because of the, 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 we have the perfect answer solutions that the religions are offering. Just don't, don't pass muster with me and with a lot of people and right. more and more as, 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 as you know, as, as statistics show us, religion is, is, is much less um, popular these days for, for, for those reasons. Um, but also the second right. part of what you said is, is really important, which is we need each other. You know, the, the, what do we have? We have one another. Um, we're all down mm-hmm. here on this, earth, on this planet together, and, and, and it's a great source of power and a great source of joy is, is interacting with other people. 
Right. It's um, something we especially resonate with now and um, connect with. I think that, you know, there's taking back our power as people in the community of Earth is something that um, I'm drawn toward in your book. We have to pause for a commercial break, but, you know, when we come back, we can look forward to staring into the abyss. And that's what I want to do with you, Dinty W. Moore. It's delightful to have you here on Dropping In. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. She Writes Press is an independent publishing company founded for women writers everywhere. Together with sister company Spark Press, serving men and women, it is both mission-driven and community-oriented. The aim is to serve writers who wish to maintain greater ownership and control of their projects while getting the highest quality editorial help possible, traditional distribution, and an in-house marketing and publicity team. In 2019, She Writes Press was named Indie Publisher of the Year. You can find out more on SheWritesPress.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to Diane at DianeDewey.com. That's Diane at DianeDewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Dinty W. Moore, author of the book, To Hell With It, of sin and sex, chicken wings, and Dante's entirely ridiculous inferno. I have to say, it's entertaining, all of it. Um, Every chapter you go there, uh, Dinty, and um, I think... It's a tribute that it is a romp. It's fun. There's really fun drawings um, throughout the book. It's eminently readable. Um, and on a serious note, um, you, you talk about, we've just touched on Dante and his entirely unnecessarily, unnecessary and ridiculous inferno, which is the cause of all this guilt that we carry around, these burdens that we're questioning can we shed the backpack at this point? Um, is it entirely appropriate to um, listen to ourselves and say, wait, that feels not good. That feels really icky. Um, and say, well, maybe we should listen to that part of ourselves. Um, you say Dante published his ambitious and unusual poem, The Divine Comedy, more than 700 years ago. And in the ensuing centuries, countless retellings, innumerable adaptations, tens of thousands of fiery sermons from Catholic bishops and Baptist preachers, all those New Yorker cartoons and masterpieces of European art have afforded Dante's fictional apparition of hell, unending attention and credibility. But you, Dinty, did not buy in. Can you talk to us about your sense of curiosity and the role of curiosity in your thinking and your work? Well, um, 
sure. Um, I think that's why I'm a writer. Uh, I think I don't. I don't know where it came from. I'm glad I was born with it. But you know, I was I was the kid in grade school that when the teacher said something, I raised my hand and and sort of said, "Well, that doesn't make any sense." And of course, many you know, many teachers weren't too open to that. Certainly, in second and third grade, they didn't want a, a seven-year-old kid trying to win an argument with them. But you know, but but it, but I met teachers along the way who were quite open to it, and and I thanked them for it. Um, so that curious little kid just wanted to like think through everything for himself. He didn't just—I I never mm-hmm. seemed to take well to authority. It's telling me this is the way it is. I needed to experience it, see it, and then I would believe it. Um, so that's what a writer does. I mean, I've written books on uh, not a good career choice to to write books on so many different topics because if you stick to one topic, you get you get well known. But I wrote, you know, I've written books about uh, about the internet and the culture of the internet. I've written books about Buddhism. I've written books about writing. I've written books about. Uh, Vietnam and, and, and not Vietnam so much as the America in the 1960s and 70s during the Vietnam protests and, and, and that I've written this book about, um, you know, the Christian notion of hell and how it affects, um, because I'm just curious about those things. I get an idea in my head and I, I think, gee, I want to know more about that or I want to answer this question for myself. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking, I was thinking about, Really, I think I started by thinking about depression, and, and my own family has a history of depression and, unfortunately, suicide uh, back at the grand, mm-hmm. my grandparents' generation. And, and I started thinking, well, what role did religion play in all of this? Because we, you know, we were raised uh, in a strong Irish Catholic tradition, and that led me to the book. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm glad that you pursued your, your curiosity. Um, this this, you know, uh, expanse of subjects that you've covered, even in this book, To Hell With It, you've woven together a lot of strands. You've given us a historical perspective, your own family perspective, which you just touched on, how the inherited sense of shame could weigh into depression, that that does weigh into depression and our sense of self and, you know, just not feeling good about ourselves, you know, yeah. Amazing Grace, um, A Wretch Like Me. I mean, Garth Brooks couldn't get yeah. anybody to sing along with him at the inauguration. <laughs> I mean, it's a tough sell anymore, right? I mean, yeah. what exactly have we done that is so wretched in our trying to live together and to create meaning and happiness in yeah. our lives. Well, um, but let's since, talk about let's yeah. talk about sex, Diane. <laughs> I, yeah, I sex. Chapter on well, sex that was and, a big well, no-no, right? The title. Yes, I mean, again, yeah. every religion is a little bit different, and even within religion, there are, you know, some Catholic preachers, some Baptist preachers, some Monsignors, some you know are, are more shaming, shameful, do more shaming than others. But most religions are like tell us we're bad because we want to have sex or because of the way we have sex or if we have sex before marriage or we have, have dirty thoughts. Um, and what, what more primal urge is there in the human soul, mm-hmm. in the human chemistry than, you know, I'm mm-hmm. talking about when you're a teenager and you first start getting those urges. 
and you're immediately told those urges are bad, and you're and you're and and you're wrong to have them, and and mm-hmm. you have no control over that. It's it's, it's biology, it's chemistry, but the first message We'd you get is no, 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 no. You're bad, um, and mm-hmm. I. I I'm happily married and have been happily married for many, many years. I believe, you know, there's a lot to be safe from monogamy, but you tell a 15 year old, you can't act on these urges until you get married. And, and nowadays people are getting married in their twenties and thirties. It's just, it's just, there's something wrong in the way we deal with sex. And I think religion is mm-hmm. sexual urges. And I think religion again has played a big role in, in, in setting up these rules that, People break left and right, of course, because the urge is so strong, but then they feel horrible mm-hmm. about it. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, there was a, the killings in Atlanta two days ago. Um, apparently, yeah. you know, the, 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 the fellow they arrested, I don't know his name, I don't care his name, horrible thing that he apparently did, um, you know, came from a strong religious background and, and was acting out of what he calls his own sex addiction and he, and he needed to stop the temptation. So he attacked those who he thought was tempting or tempting him. It's just, I mean, you couldn't find a more horrible and lurid example of how the religious teachings just screwed this young man up. Apparently. I'm sorry. And that's an extreme one, but I mean, I know so many people who, Certainly, when I think back to my high school and college days, you know, who just were just torn apart by this idea of like I shouldn't be thinking of this, I shouldn't be wanting this, but I want it so bad because the the body chemistry, the biology of it is is much more powerful, you know, than we think. Well, they shouldn't have stuck us in physical bodies if they didn't want us to have, you know, they if they didn't want us to have uh, urges and sex and food and, you know, drink. Um, So I think, you know, there, there's, there's the first um, hypocrisy, but also like the COOs and the CEOs of the major religions, like they are celibate. So um, like, how's that working out? Um, You know, I also wonder, and this is a very, another warp, you know, you pointed out Atlanta and the hate crime and the sexually um, induced um, crime. You know, I mean, how, how is it a kind of betrayal of trust also? Um, you know, you, you look at, for example, the scandals of the Catholic Church, and it's come from the abuses that have occurred at the hands of celibate priests. Um, you know, you, you ask this question in a very common sense way in the book, like, how's this working out, this system of right. celibacy? Right. Um, and, and, this, and the sense of betrayal of our trust, um, I, I get the sense that you maybe never really bought into much, but what about these people, myself included at times, who do buy into religions and then realize... No, it's it's going to let you down for these mm-hmm. very in these various ways. Is it is it not something that also fundamentally dis- disrupts our psyche in our ability to trust? That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way directly, but you're right. I mean, when when this when 
when what presents itself as the heart of all goodness, you know, religion is, is you know, all about, all about goodness and righteousness. And every religion, every religion has its scandals, um, mainly having to do with men who are, you know, at the pinnacle of, 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 of power in the, in the particular organized religion. I'm talking about Buddhism. I'm talking about Judaism. I'm talking about, um, all, all manner of, 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 of Christian denominations. It's like religion is, religion is a way to m- motivate people, but it's also a way to manipulate people. And mm-hmm. I guess human weakness is such that, that once you get that power, you end up, you know, twisting it in, 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 in sordid ways. Um, to see mm-hmm. how sexual scandals are certainly part of it, but there's all kinds of other abuses too. Including, you know, including mm-hmm. just the um, the amount of wealth that is amassed by some of these churches um, is, is, I think, obscene. Right. When I was forced to, um, because your book is is provocative and funny, when I was forced to look at, well, well, how has this kept up all these years? I thought to myself, well. The Flat Earth Society didn't become one of the largest real estate holding entities in the entire world, which the Catholic Church was at one point, at the height right. of its powers. Um, it, it, it's, not as, um, it's, it's not as institutionalized as these entities are. And, you know, as Jenny Holzer, another visual artist, says, you know, abuse of power comes as no surprise if you have that much of it. And... It's built on these kind of flimsy, um, these flimsy premises. I wondered, you know, you really went into, um, you know, I, I want to talk about chicken wings here, segueing quite quickly <laughs> into that, um, because it's, it's also one of my favorite stories from the book. It's the first story that I personally heard. Um, and you talk about the seven deadly sins, um, gluttony, lust, greed, pride, and chicken wings comes into that, and certainly addiction comes into that. And I was forced to ask myself about like archetypes, the addictive archetype, and um, you know the idea that that without this idea of having to give up our power to an external substance um, that exerts authority or that maybe is authority, um, provides kind of like an order to our life. But, of course, it's no kind of resolution whatsoever. Um, there was an interplay in your family as well with addiction and depression and suicide. So those things mm-hmm. are related, right? I think so. Give us a I little... I so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the simple, simplest connection would be, you know, we have these urges. We, we're, we're drawn to food. We're drawn to alcohol. We're drawn to drugs. We're drawn to sex, um, and then we, you know, and then we feel so horrible about it that we start to loathe. We start to hate ourselves. We, you know, the, the, the everybody. I think everybody has a little bit of self-loathing here and there once in a while on a bad day. And then for some people, it becomes a way of living. That's you know, you wake up every morning hating yourself, and 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 for the worst among us, that ends up. Um, in a cycle of, of self-abuse, which might be alcoholism, might be drug addiction, might be some other uh, harmful behavior, and for the very worst among us, it ends up in, in suicide, which is tragic. 
Um, I think it's all tragic, but um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cycle, this, this, this addiction to, to whatever. It can be, be addicted to money. You can be addicted to risk. You can be addicted, obviously, to alcohol and drugs. Um, but that, that addiction you know, takes, us, takes us down with it. Right. I will say that reading a book like yours calls it out for what it is and may even be helpful um, in dismantling the whole, the whole cycle. Um, I, I think you've done something really good here. Um, I want to also, uh, we're going to pause for a commercial break, but we are going to look at chicken wings and the role of humor, the laughter of the gods, this, this spirituality of, as you say in your St. Patrick's Day post, looking at something big, you know, at treating a joke as something serious and treating something serious as a joke. Um, yes. These are yes. really, these are really important ways for us to to digest the um, the messages of to hell with it. And believe me, it's no burden to read it. It's an absolute bump. It's total fun. And we're here with Dinty Moore to talk about. All of it. Don't go away. We'll be right back when we talk about laughter and the gods. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Books Forward exemplifies excellence in book marketing and promotion, representing New York Times bestsellers, national award-winning books, and books that catch fire on social media and in the digital realm. Books Forward creates ambitious campaigns with unlimited possibilities for sparking buzz while creatively cutting through the noise. Your book deserves to launch with experts who have set the bar in the industry. To learn more, visit booksforward.com or send us an email at info at booksforward.com. A JKS Communications Company. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to diane at dianedewey.com. That's diane at dianedewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're sitting with Dinty W. Moore, author of the memoir and book, spiritual book, To Hell With It. It's a lot more fun than that sounds. Um, and Dinti, you this past week posted for St. Patrick's Day a gorgeous uh, quote from Sean O'Casey that it's the Irish people all over. They treat a serious thing as a joke and a joke as a serious thing. How to simplify these big concepts with humor. How did you arrive at the ability to do that? Or has that always been a lens that you viewed the world through? Yeah, I've been worried about the listeners to this show because we, you know, you, you've told them uh, once or twice it's a very funny book, and I'm thinking, and now we're talking about suicide, and now we're talking about depression, and now we're talking about addiction. It sure doesn't sound like a funny book, uh, but I do, mm-hmm. I, I do use humor in all of my writing, and I and I'm 
I naturally find the world. I mean, it's probably what has helped me survive. Uh, I do find the world to be a funny place, and I find other people to be uh, delightfully funny. Um, so in the book, uh, you know, I, I, I enter, you mentioned chicken wings. I enter a chicken wing eating contest um, <laughs> to, to learn about gluttony. And, and my goodness, competitive eating is, is a strange, strange world. And, you know, I go to the world's largest yard sale to, you know, to, to, to look at our, our, our addiction to things. And I, and I do look at that. And I, I have, you know, childhood memories of falling in love when I was six with a, my neighbor, my neighbor's five-year-old sister. Um, so I, I do look for the, the, the humor in, in Dante's various circles of hell, which more or less align with the, the, the seven deadly sins. Though there's, there's nine levels of hell. Um, I do, I do try to find the funny in it because, Sometimes, sometimes if you point out the absurdity of something, it takes the power away. And a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of these a lot of these notions that I mean Dante's poem itself, which is beautiful, um, and it's why it's remembered. But it's also ridiculous because Dante was a real person who lived um, you know, seven hundred years ago in in Florence, uh, Italy, and had a falling out, a political falling out with many of his fellow citizens, and ended up being exiled from Florence and, and Dante, the character, Dante, the writer, put Dante, the character in this poem where he goes to hell and all of the sinners he encounters are like people that Dante, the writer actually knew. He's basically calling out mm-hmm. his neighbors and, and naming them. Um, it's a revenge fantasy. Uh, so the, the, mm-hmm. the, it, it's humorous on, on many levels, the poem itself, the idea of why he did it that way. And, and, and some of these notions of sin, um, which are basically just basic human urges. Um, I find the comedy in them. I find I find absolutely. I I like laughing at the world, and and, and I find that a way of sort of loving the world. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it it is absurdist um, that view, and some of the best. I mean, I, you know, Barack Obama also talks about the 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 humor, and you know, it, it, it's. You're keeping very good company, I want you to know, because last week's guest was Linda Olson, who lost two legs and one arm in a horrific accident. She was a radiologist, a doctor by profession, and she talked about the black humor that gets doctors through um, having Mm -hmm. to joke about what's going on. And maybe we're appalled by that, but I think not really. I think we all know that we need to take what's sacrosanct and laugh about it. Um, otherwise, we just have no lever. We have no balance. And, mm-hmm. you know, this, 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 um, this, there's no way to kind of integrate things unless um, we put them in, in balance and, and perspective. And, you know, I think the thing that you just pointed out, Dante was a man. He was a vengeful man. And so haven't you even just alluded to something crucial about all of these texts that we regard as sacred, they were composed by a human being at a specific point in time. You know, is there a way in which their meaning can evolve um, through these more current uh, interpretations and questions? Um, You say in To Hell With It that sin and suffering forever is rooted systemically in caste orders, hierarchies of all stripe, and somehow our definition of 
ourselves. It's caused wars, overturned monarchies. The causes of right and wrong have been exaggerated, and I need to defend that. Um, you know, it's kind of spiraled out of control. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, to be devil's advocate, sorry for the pun, is hell or any kind of threat of hell important as a kind of ballast to create right doing on our parts? I mean, does it have any redeeming features, do you think? Um, I'm, <laughs> you, 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 you got me there. I mean, I, I don't think it works in the long run. Sure, there are, you know, there are, you know, I'm thinking back again to, to, to childhood. You know, they tell children that there's a God and God will be disappointed in you if you do something. And, and so you, the kid doesn't do it. I guess that's effective. And I, and there's some other, you know, there's some people who, because they believe they might go to hell, I mean, even as adults, probably suppress some fairly bad behavior, but I don't think it works in the long run. I mean, look at the history of mankind. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if, 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 if do, we, do we still have wars? Yes. Do we still have crime? Yes. Do we still have people who feel compelled to abuse other people? Yes. Do we feel have people who feel compelled to abuse themselves? You know, all of those things supposedly are, you know, are, are banned by religion and, and, and they're not going away. So I guess I guess my answer is, is in individual cases, the threat of hell might be effective for some people, but it hasn't worked out for mankind very well. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. Yeah. I think it's taking the power into ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. Taking back power as opposed to the power that punishment and the threat. I mean, this is, we're looking now at the whole, you know, criminal justice system and discovering that the threat of jail doesn't, is not preemptive. Um, you know, the, the, all of these ideas um, created an efficacy maybe at one point, but I think you're absolutely spot on. The fallout has been far worse, and the sense of rehabilitation or growth has been stunted um, because these measures actually really don't work, as you say. And I think that that is a really profound um, conclusion to come to. You know, you, you talk also about limbo, which is really, a, you know, talk about hell. Limbo is also a drag because that's where even unbaptized children who die go. And so that no one is really innocent. Now, we know in our bones that this, possibly, this is not possibly true. We are right. innocent. At, you know, we are born innocent. And I, I just wondered, you know, we've just got a few minutes left, but I mean, how do you think, you know, people really suppress what we actually really in our bones know in favor of what we're told? Boy, I wish I could answer that. Um, <laughs> we've, been, we've been wrestling with that as a country with our politics lately, obviously. Right. Um, you know, um, I don't, I, I, and well, this has been a, an odd year, obviously, with the pandemic. I've been sitting on my sofa a lot because I can't, you know, there's not many places I can go to um, and thinking. And, and that's one of the things I think about so often is, you know, whatever, we're talking about political lies, we're talking about religious lies, we're talking about cultural lies, we're talking about, you know, lies about other groups of people. 
well, why are we so gullible? Why are people so willing, almost anxious to believe them? And I don't, I don't have a good answer, so I'm not going to lie and pretend that I do. Um, humans are just so complicated, uh, which is fascinating, which is wonderful, which is what, you know, what makes, what makes life so rich, but it's also baffling too. Yes, um, but you you talk about looking into the giant hole, the void, the emptiness that's inside of mm-hmm. us, and maybe filling it with junk food, maybe filling it with Oreos, Oreos dipped in fat, yeah. like at the fair. Um, you know, is that <laughs> part of it? I mean, when you, you know, get comfortable and you talk about the hole actually shrinking in your own life, how does that, you know, what brings that about? Is it love? Is it? How do you heal it authentically? Yeah, I think I think the struggle is is to love ourselves, um, to somehow soften, if not if not eliminate the those constant voices that are telling us that we're bad, that there's something either wrong with us or, or that we're inadequate or that we're not shit enough, pretty enough, smart enough, rich enough, tall enough. Um, you know, the, the, the battle for self-acceptance, I think, is where it starts. And certainly loving other people and having other people love us helps us get there. But it, it does, I, I think, I think everybody I know struggles with that. Some worse than others. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but to fill mm-hmm. the void, you have to love yourself. And loving yourself could be a, a lifelong journey. Yes, it is. I personally think that the book to hell with it really moves the needle moves the needle on that progression um you talked about the heaven and hell of Pema Chodron um who describes it as our vilification versus our acceptance and and gratitude I really thank you Dinty Moore it's hard to believe that we're coming to uh, a close here but um, any further words? Are we here to enjoy ourselves? Is it possible with all the pressures? Sort of yes or no? <laughs> Is it possible? Are these beliefs going to fall away eventually that impede us from that? I hope so. Um, it's happening, you know, in small ways. I don't think, I mean, you mentioned the, the dark times of, you know, medieval times. And I don't think we're living in quite so dark a world right now. I'm sitting here looking out the window and spring is coming to Southern Ohio. So maybe I'm a little more hopeful than usual, but I'm, I'm feeling hopeful. I think, I think the, I think mm-hmm. we are making progress as people and specifically in this, this, in the area of what, what we believe uh, from organized religion and what we reject. I think we're making progress. That's lovely. And also, you know, ending your book on forgiving oneself as, as part of, of loving and maybe to laugh at our foibles. Um, goodness knows there's oh, enough of them to. there, you right? Have uh, yeah. You have to. Thank you, Dinty Moore. It's oh, been a you, joy Diane. to speak with you. I've loved it. Thanks to our engineers, Matt Widener and Aaron Keller, to our executive producer, Robert Cialino, and most of all, to you, our listeners. Remember to stay safe and to make choices about either filling up a hole or becoming whole. Until next week, thank you for dropping in. You can find Dinty Moore at his website, dintywmore.com. 
Twitter at Brevity Mag, and Facebook, Dinty W. Moore. Thanks so much. Be well. Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then. 